0: Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 40, the book of Genesis chapter 40, where we will pick back up where we left off last week. If you haven't had opportunity to hear or to um, listen, then there is an opportunity uh, for you to go back and listen to the podcast. Also, as a side note, uh, if you haven't been out there, we, we did an update to our uh, website, so go check out the new website there at calvarychapelnc.org and give us feedback. Let us know uh, what you think, and if there's something there that you need to see that would help you, um, and just let us know, and the uh, the team will work to, to see how we can do that. So, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Now, to this point in the Book of Genesis, Joseph is, a, is an incredible example of a godly man. Joseph is a remarkable picture also of Jesus Christ as well. So we see here up to this point in the scripture, we see and I'll highlight some of the key parallels between the life of Joseph and the example of God's doing a work in this young man to become Christ like. And we see a lot of parallels in his life. First of all, Joseph was a shepherd. He loved. He was loved by his father. If you remember correctly, he was actually his, the favorite son uh, himself. He also was sent into a, to see his brothers at that time. And if you remember, he was hated by his brothers, even though he was sent out by his father. It was prophesied of his coming glory, where he would. God showed him through dreams that God. God was going to use Joseph in a mighty way. He was rejected by his brothers. He's endured unjust punishment from his brothers. He was sentenced to the pit. He delivered from the pit through a leader who knew he wasn't to to be uh, put in the pit or be killed. Remember, his older brother was trying to rescue him from that, but his younger brother still threw him in the pit, then turned around and sold him to the slave traders or the, the Ishmaelites going down into Egypt. And there he was sold for the pieces of silver, just like Jesus. He was handed over to the Gentiles. He was regarded as dead, but was raised out of the pit, went to Egypt, made a servant, tempted severely, if you remember, by Potiphar's wife, tempted severely, Joseph was, but did not sin, and falsely accused and made no defense of all of that, was cast into prison and numbered with sinners and criminals. Sounds very much like what our Lord Jesus Christ has gone through. Now that's just in the beginning. We will see today even more parallels of the life of Joseph. And what God is going to do in and through his life as we see the story today. Yes, we're going to take chapters 40 and 41. So hold on and let's see if my voice holds up as we go through the teaching of all this. So here in chapter 40 verse 1 it said, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers. The chief butler, or we also refer to as the cupbearer, maybe in your Bible, and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in the custody for a while. So we have two new uh, characters that come into our scene here, and here's Joseph as he's falsely accused, thrown into uh, this this the prison the. The prison, uh, captain of the guard prison, which was set aside for the pharaoh's special offenders. This was not the normal prison, but it was still a prison. It was still a place of confinement. But everywhere we've seen, last time we've studied the word, and we see it today. It doesn't matter. As God is working in and through this life uh, named Joseph, God still put him in places that you and I would say, In prison, how much worse can it get? But God allowed that to happen to be able to to work in and through his life to raise him up. And we saw even in prison, God still put him in a position of leadership, put him in a position over everything. So, so confident of this young man and what God was doing through even the pagans, these Gentile kings and prison guards and everything else, saw something in this young man that they have never seen to a point. They gave him such peace about who he was that they didn't even even worry about what Joseph was doing. We've seen him, they place him in position of power, position of authority over a really a terrible situation. And then they just took their hands off and let him work it because they saw the blessing that God was doing through that man. That's going to happen in your life as well. If you are directed by God and you allow God to work through your life, you'll be amazed at what God is going to take you and put you in positions of power and leadership and and responsibilities. And your authorities over you are going to be amazed and really not worry about you because you're a faithful and reliant employee or employer or boss, whatever place that God is going to put you in. So we see this butler and this baker. Now, in the, the butler the situation, or the cupbearer, was charged by Pharaoh's wine. He was the protector over the king for a safe drink. We see that written also and referred to in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, through Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. See, he had to have, to have a close confidant. It wasn't easy to be Pharaoh, to be in charge. Someone was always looking to take you out, and many times they will try to poison you with the drink. So he had to have a reliable person next to him. In this case, the cupbearer, who would always make sure he tested the drink before he gave it to Pharaoh. So he'd be the first one to die if there's poison. He would be the sacrifice. But if you're a right-hand man, if you're an XO, you're an executive of the general, you're always following that man or that general around. And you hear things, you see things, everything is around, and you just don't hear them say anything. But they're to watch and to listen and to protect that general. It's the same thing with the CEO. Many times has someone next to them that watches an executive to watch and hear everything to make sure they're on time and everything is protected and they're going to do what they're supposed to do. No different here in Pharaoh's world. This cupbearer, this this butler was to be there and heard and saw everything that was taking place. Now the baker, was it's interesting, was someone also very important. (laughs) Where is the Pharaoh's food? Pharaoh wanted to eat and you better have that food in place. So again, someone within this inner circle of the operations around Pharaoh and not too many people got close to Pharaoh unless you were in those positions. But regardless of what happened to the butler and the uh, the baker and the reason why they were offended, the king, and was thrown into prison, it doesn't matter the reason. We just know it was somewhere. It was, in one case, false. One case, it appears to be true of why they were thrown into prison. But even regardless of the overarching reason, whatever external reason was to throw them in prison... God's great plan was this, that they were really meant to be placed in prison for the sake of Joseph's development and the rise to power, as we will see. So keep in mind, there's times where we'll be placed in or someone's placed in your life and it's a really bad situation and you have no idea why you're here or there or placed here or placed there. But know that God is sovereign, and God is using that person in your life, or they're using you in someone else's life to accomplish God's great plan. And you have to trust that. It's by faith, and you have to have that persistent faith, regardless of your circumstances, that know that as a child of God, he's in control. Amen? You have to know it. You have to believe by faith that God is in control of your life regardless of circumstance. Now as we continue to see here in verse five, then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them. Each man's dream in one in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so, so sad today? So we've got to get a little bit of a glimpse of the heart of Joseph. Because you have to understand, here's a young man. Remember, he started going down into Egypt at age seventeen. Now he's time has passed; he's going older. We're going to see that he's closer to age twenty-eight in, in this period of time, um, and, and we'll eventually we'll see at the end of the verse, uh, the chapter teachings today, he'll be thirty years of age. He was two years in this prison, so watch what happens here. Though, here's a young man who is falsely accused, thrown in prison. He shouldn't be there. He now has two guys put into the prison. There, he's overchar- He's overseeing what goes on in there. He's put in charge of it, even though he's in put in charge. We notice in the previous verses he served these two men, and while he was serving these two men who were been put into prison by Pharaoh himself, we see that he comes in and he has a heart for other people. He's not an angry, bitter young man who's resentful and say, "I can't believe this is happening." this is terrible, and murmuring and complaining, he has a heart for other people. That's the difference, right? He's not self-centered as a young man. As a godly man, you're not self-centered. You're other-centered. And here we see that he is other-centered, the fact that he notices these two men are sad in their countenance and what, what they look like. And he inquires as a young man, why are you so sad? And they answer him. Verse 8, and they said to him, We each have a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. So we see here that they respond We're sad here because we had some, both of us had dreams and we have no interpreter to understand this. And we want to know and we're really sad because we have no idea how this is going to impact us. Now, Joseph could have easily said well that's tough for you you'll get over it but he didn't he says he immediately drew their attention to who he didn't sit there and say you are at the right place at the right time I am the dreamer man I am you remember he was mocked by his own brothers to be the dreamer remember that in chapter 37 <laughs> He was actually antagonized his brothers because he was so eager as a 17-year-old boy to tell them that God gave him a dream and the interpretation of that dream. Here, he didn't sit there and say, ah, I'm the man. You know, I'm the person here. I, I can do these things for you. No, no, no. He took no credit for what God had done in his life. He humbly, right here we see hum- humility, humbly said, Do not interpretations belong to God? God is the one who reveals this truth. It's revelation of God. It's his word that brings revelation, not man's word. And sure enough, but he also had a persistent faith to know that God had used him and that God had given him the ability to be at this place at this time to be able to interpret the dream. He he just knew, as we will see, he took the step and said, tell me, please. Now, as we take a look at dreams, Joseph had experienced his own dreams. He knew his father had dreams. He was mocked for it, but that did not change Joseph's purpose of what God was using him for. He didn't sit there, oh, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be in jail and be mocked by these guys if I tell them about my my faith in God and and what God has done in me. Has that ever happened to you at work where you know God uses you and all of a sudden you get mocked and the next time someone, you know you could help someone, you know, and you don't say anything because you're afraid to get mocked again? See, Joseph had strength and persistent faith to know that God is in control of his life and he's going to speak truth regardless of what other people think. So he does. So Joseph was confident that God knew what the dream was all about by these two dudes. And what happened was, we see that even though we see Joseph bringing to light that God is the one that brings interpretation, we have to know and understand that as we study the scripture, God may certainly speak through dreams. And many passages of scripture show this. We've seen it in Genesis chapter 20 and 28 and 31 and 31. 24 we also see it in numbers 12:6, 12 6 for samuel 28 joel 2 and remember matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2 where god used a dream to speak to joseph and mary about the coming messiah the jesus who would be born so yes god can use dreams we've seen that in the old testament and the new testament but let me give you some warnings my brothers and sisters about dreams let's look at other parts of the scripture here because dreams can come just because our minds are busy. We see that in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 3 and chapter 5 verse 7. What does it say? It says, a dream comes through much activity. And in verse 7 it says, for in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also vanity but fear God. So fear. Just because you had a dream at night, don't assume that is a revelation of God and that you are to do something with that dream. You need to test all things to the scripture because today there's a movement that goes on within the church, churches that people use dreams to sway people and to tell people what they want them to do. They, they manip- It's a form of manipulation many times. We also see it. In Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. And Jeremiah 23 verses 25 through 28. Where it says that the Bible warns us that false prophets might use dreams to give weight to their message. So it plays out sometimes. The Lord has given me a dream for you and this is what he told me and you must do the following. If you hear that kind of thing, you stop, you listen, you smile, and you say, interesting. When God shows me the word of, through the word of God and confirms that, I know it's from God. But if I haven't heard, I assure you, he did not give something for my life only through you to give it to me. He would speak to me directly because I have a personal relationship with him. So as a warning, again, yes, dreams can happen. But he speaks to you and I through his word and confirms it. Yes, God can use someone to help and encourage you or warn you. Gotcha. But if you haven't heard from him directly by the word of God, just be patient. Just say, interesting. And you just wait. If it's of God, it's going to come about, right? If it's not, you know they are thinking of many things. Now, dreams can happen, right? If you're sitting there, I've had it so many times. Oh, pastor, I've got to, I've had dreams, really bad dreams, terrible dreams, like, like satanic dreams. You'll hear me say to you very quickly, very quickly, what were you watching on the movies? What were you reading? What were you on the internet? What was filling your mind before you went to bed? Because typically that will raise up and cause your mind to go crazy and bring about dreams. So I'm going to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, like I do everyone who comes to me. I highly recommend that you read the Word of God and you pray to God as you go to sleep. And that is the last thing you do when you go to sleep. You will sleep much better. Amen? Much better. Ah, I got that over with. So, verse nine. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, "Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, and its blossoms set shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Joseph's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them in Pharaoh's cup, and the place, and placed the cup in." The Pharaoh's hand so we see here the dream is presented to Joseph now we can see as though this dream was from God God uses these figures in these these examples these pictures given to uh, this butler in his in his in his dream Something that he was familiar with. He was familiar with the vine. He was familiar with grapes. He was familiar with squeezing and getting the, the, the juice of the grape into a cup and handing it to the Pharaoh, to to the boss there. He knew that picture. So that didn't surprise him, right? That was something he was familiar with. But he, the thing that encouraged him, obviously was that in his dream, the butler saw himself serving Pharaoh again, which means he was being restored to his former position. Now, as you and I, as you read that, and you go, I can interpret that. Out of my own wisdom, I can interpret that. This is a good dream, and this is a good thing, because he's back to the position he, w- he just lost. Except for one part of the dream. What part is that? The three days. See, No one knows. You have to wait how many days to figure out if he was false or if this was going to be true from God was what? They would have to wait three days. Now what happens? So Joseph responds, verse 12, and says to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Ah, see, no one could have known that branches meant three days. You just thought they were branches, right? So God obviously revealed to him, There's a timetable here, three days. Now, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your to to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But (laughs) you can see Joseph, but remember, remember me when it is well with you. When you've got all situation back in your position again, and everything's well. Don't forget me, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed, I, now he gives his testimony. He kind of gives him a reason why to be kind with him. Why you need to tell Pharaoh. Why you need to get me out of here. He tells him the reason. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and, I, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So we see here that he, Joseph, God gives Joseph the interpretation. It's going to be three days and you're going to be restored to your your position. Everything's positive. You know, the vines are blooming and blossoming and there's fruit coming from it. And you're squeezing the grapes and you're back to your old position. It's going to be great. Now that made the butler all pumped up. Uh, Is he not excited to hear those kinds of things when someone gives you that kind of an interpretation? Very excited but he still had to wait how many days still had to wait three days to see if it would come true now we've got the other guy we've got the baker who's listening to this whole thing what does he say he sits there and says when the chief baker saw in verse 16 that the interpretation was what was good he said to joseph ah I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. Uh Uh-oh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are what? Three days. Okay, that's sounding so good so far. But the last part, it says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Uh Uh-oh, that didn't go well. The baker was encouraged about his companion, the butler, his buddy, because remember, they were officers. They worked together as officers in the kingdom here. They knew each other very, very well. And something happened in the situation that caused an offense towards Pharaoh, and they both were put into prison. Now, all, how that all plays out, we're going to find out. In this case, one is going to live and be restored. The other one will be rejected and killed. So obviously, one was, we, as we see played out, that God is sorting things throughout and, and using Joseph to bring to light what takes place here. Now, when I read this, I'm encouraged by the word. Because right here we see that Joseph is a very faithful servant. He is a a messenger of God here. God has given him a message and he's sharing this message to these people through this interpretation. But he is a faithful one. Why? Because he was faithful to give the message of deliverance to the butler. Great message. All positive. This is great. This is perfect. Love those kind of messages. It's so encouraging. But a faithful messenger will also give you the message of judgment as well. If they only give you the message of deliverance and do not give you the whole counsel of God with the judgment, uh, the message of judgment, that is not a faithful, faithful servant. That is not a faithful preacher. A faithful preacher will teach you the whole counsel of God. Not just pick and choose the topics that are easy to give or the cupbearer's message. Those are easy to give. If you've been here with me long enough, we've hit some really tough scriptures in the beginning of Genesis, if you remember. Some interesting topics that is easy to avoid. Those are not easy to talk about. But we're going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, for the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. Why? Because we're to be faithful in the message that God has given us in the scriptures. It's God breathed. It's his word. Why would we miss any of it? And so here we see Joseph is a faithful messenger of God, not only giving the message of deliverance, but even with the bad news, he also gave the message of judgment. Now, as we see this, how many are willing to faithfully give a message that God's given to you. As a parent. You have to deliver the good news and the bad news. You need to, have to make sure your children know the full counsel of God. They need to know everything that's going on in regards to appropriate level of their age. They need to be raised up and trained up according to his ways. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, don't, Hide and we need to make sure our children are properly raised so they understand the fullness of life according to the scriptures and not avoid any subject matters with them. You must teach them. That's your responsibility. (laughs) I'm encouraging you. That's your responsibility. But we see here the birds in the scriptures. Birds are not always. I I know you ladies and guys, bird watchers, and you love your birds. I know that. I have a wife who loves birds. So she always looks at me and goes, you're going to teach on that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, i are going to have to teach that. In the scripture, birds are not always good. You know that. They're not, they represent destruction. They're not, they're not happy, joyful, tweet, tweet, okay? So then we see that in the scripture here. The judgment came through the eyes of, we see through birds eating the actual uh, bakery. He didn't teach, oh yeah, three baskets. And they're sitting on your head and it smells like brand new fresh bread coming out of the oven. no. Birds are eating it, and you're going to be hung, and you're going to be killed. It's just not a good message. Verse 20. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Pharaoh. uh, That he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the heads of the chief butler and the chief baker. Meaning they brought them out of prison, brought them in front of people. They brought them out to see them among his servants. And then he restored the chief butler to his Uh, butlership again and he placed the cup in pharaoh's hand but he hanged the chief baker as joseph had interpreted to them yet the chief butler did not remember joseph but forgot him oh man it was just going exactly the plan i told you three days i told you who was going to live and who was going to die but why did the butler forget the most important thing to get Joseph out of there. See, but God's timing is God's timing. God has his timing perfectly. And we must trust his timing because we are going to see that even though we don't see, and especially Joseph, what do you mean you forgot me? I just I just gave you the best news of your life. And you forgot me? How can that happen? Well. Joseph's persistent faith was not destroyed based on his circumstances of the fact that the butler forgot him. His faith was not wavered on that. Because he knew God is in control. Now, one of the things you understand is that all men God uses greatly. He first must prepare you greatly. And the challenge is for you and I is when we choose not to allow God to work in our way in our life the way He wants to work it. We like to avoid the pain, the suffering, the disappointments. We don't like all of those kinds of things. So we avoid those kinds of things for to have a happy, gentle, loving life prosperous, I get whatever I want kind of life. But you have to understand that when God is working in a person's life, he will also bring you through from very difficult situations and very big disappointments and loss of jobs and whatever it is in your life. But he does that if you will persistently keep your faith in him and knowing that he is going to provide and take care of you, that he has a great plan and a purpose in your life, to raise you up for Him because He's coming back for us to take us home. When you stay and keep that faith, you'll notice that He will then endure. You'll bring bring you through that endurance and God's orders both steps and stops in your life for to bring about a character, a godly character that He wants to develop in you. And that we refer to as a Christ-likeness. And you must trust Him in that. Even though you don't feel it, you don't see it, you have to under believe it. Now, what happens is we see now in verse chapter 41, the story continues. We see here that then it came to pass at the end of the two full years. Now, two full years in prison now. That Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Now keep in mind, two full years is an emphasis in the scriptures. When you see that emphasis, it could have said. Two years or approximately he, two full years. And there's a and when you study the scriptures, you have to understand there's a significance to that. That means God's perfect timing has been fulfilled. When you read that that, that language. Perfect timing, two full years. That that God gave Pharaoh a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came out of the river seven cows fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river, and the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. Of course, why who would, who would not wake up from that, that, that nightmare all of a sudden? But he went back to sleep there. He slept and he dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one, of the, on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, all shriveled up. If you're a farmer, you understand that. Sprung up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. So here's Joseph in prison, forgotten by this butler. Two years have passed. God had a purpose in this delay, we will see. And now the purpose is explained right here through Pharaoh's dream. That if God wanted, the butler could have remembered Joseph right in the very beginning. He walked out, got in the position, said, hey, this guy knows dreams. You should bring him into the household. He's he's innocent. He should be out there. And then the timing might have been off where God couldn't take Joseph where he wanted him to be, which is in a position of power. But the butler could have done that. But God moved in his perfect timing and two full years had to pass before God was going to reveal to Pharaoh what was the future was holding. Now, Pharaoh's dream, there were seven fat cows that came out of that Nile River. We'll assume it's Nile River. That's the main river that he would have been very familiar with in, in that area. And it was consumed with, by seven, this thin, gaunt cows. And one, the, the, the sickly ones devoured the healthy ones. Very weird dream. But look what happens in verse um, 8 of uh, chapter 41. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit, there's something within his spirit, was troubled. Now I, I highlight that to you because there's times when you wake up or when you're going and there's something, a situation, and your spirit just says, there's something that's just not right here. We, we need to do something. And so he sent and called all of the magicians of Egypt and all his wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams. But there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. What faults did he make? Well, when Pharaoh was angry, so he's explaining it. Remember, Pharaoh... Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, and he and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretations of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and he And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass. So it came to pass. It was true. It actually happened three days later, remember. Just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Ah, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And what did he do? He shaved and changed his clothes and came to Pharaoh. Now, if you know the history of Egypt, Egypt in the, the worship of multiple gods, they had magicians that were very impressive. They were always out there using witchcraft, all kinds of things to interpret and to, to move and to believe the false gods or Satanic gods, whatever you want to call them, were moving and, and doing things in and through. And they would use these, these Egyptian magicians or set of very wise men to interpret James or to try to, uh, to, to, many times, manipulate leaders in regards to what they should or shouldn't do. And in this case, we see that God was going to use a young Hebrew man... To interpret a dream that these magicians and wise men couldn't do. But we see that also happening another time in the scriptures. Do you know? Daniel chapter 2. Daniel was a a young Hebrew man as well. That a a different pharaoh could not understand. Had the magicians come in. Couldn't understand it. And God used Daniel for a time as such. To interpret God's will and purpose. But he sits here and we see that the butler's back in the view. And he makes an interesting comment in those verses. He says, I remember my faults. All of a sudden, now God comes into the head of that butler and reminds him, you forgot the young man Joseph. You did not bring him out. And it's been two years and you're all. He's confessing his wrong. I cannot believe I forgot this man. But see, But God didn't want to reveal that to the people yet. He had to wait two years for his perfect timing. Then he brought it back to memory and said, now here's the person you need to tell Pharaoh about. And he did. Oh, there's a young man. And he told him the story. And Pharaoh immediately called for Joseph. You did not show up in front of Pharaoh unshaved. and And not cleaned up with good clothes on. You didn't come in shaggy out of a dungeon. You didn't come into his presence. So they cleaned him up. They didn't wear beards back in Egypt in those days. Everything was clean, cut, and shaved. So we br- see him bringing him in and bringing him in front. And during those times, we think God isn't doing anything. Joseph could be sitting in that den going, what is going on, God? What have you, why am I still here? I don't understand why I'm still here. Things are not moving. You haven't answered my prayers. You, all this verbiage you could possibly think that Joseph would be saying. God is doing the work most important to him, not what's most important to us. See, when we talk to God and and pray and ask God and you wonder your circumstances, why you're in, where you're at, realize as a child of God, he's going to do what's most important to who? Him. Not so much to us in the timing or the way he's going to do it. So we have to understand that God is taking this time to develop the character and transform Joseph into the godly man and prepare him for greater purposes and that takes time. So I want to encourage you my brothers and sisters if you find yourself in a place where you are not comfortable and you can't understand why persistently believe by faith that God is working in and through you to develop you, to prepare you for something next. We talk about the big picture of life and all these pieces of puzzles of your life. He is developing and those puzzles are coming together and as longer you live, the more you see the full picture that God is doing. And when you're at my age and you look back, you're amazed of how God takes all of these circumstances of life and are bringing them together for his purpose and glory. Amen? It happens. So Pharaoh said in verse 15, said to Joseph, I had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said to you that you can understand a dream and to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, and again, he doesn't sit there. Look at what he says. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Again, my brothers and sisters, God is working and using you in a mighty way. Do not take credit for anything. Recognize it's God that's doing this. That God is, by his grace and his mercy, is willing to work through vessels like you and me. It amazes me sometimes still that why he would use someone like me To do something for God. It's shocking. Because we know how wretched we are. We're sinners saved by grace. Yes. And it's only by his grace and mercy that he would be willing to work through us. So take no credit for this. As Joseph took no credit. It is not in me, Pharaoh. It is all God. And God is going to give you an answer to your your, uh, dream. And it will bring you what? Peace, it says. When you know it's of God working, you'll know, there will be a peace and joy when you hear the word of God. You know, peace and joy. If you don't have peace and joy, then there's something not right. You have to get right with God or it's not from God. And you have to seek after God in that regards. So we see what happens next then. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly, seven cows came out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came out from them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in in all the land of Egypt. And in the gaunt and ugly cow ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten eaten them, for they were just as ugly as the beginning. So I woke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came out on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads, withered thin and, bl- and blighted by the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magician, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now some of you are sitting here going, why did he read that again? We could have saved two minutes. But be patience, my brothers and sisters. Be patience with the reading of the word. There's a reason why God repeated it. Note in the, all that scripture, note right there in the very beginning, in the middle I should say, that he adds to the story. He says when the gaunt, skinny, ugly-looking cows, ate the nice, fat, good-looking cows, they never changed in appearance. They ate all of that good, fat cows, and they didn't even look anything different. It acted and looked like they never ate anything. That's very significant, as we will see the interpretation next of why that clarity and why it comes out in regards to the teaching here. So in verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. Both, God has revealed two dreams to you, but they're the same meaning. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. That is powerful. Joseph, a young man, saying to the most powerful man in the world, these dreams were given to you by God. They're the same dream, so he didn't want to make sure you didn't miss it. <laughs> and also, by the way, God is showing you, Pharaoh, what he is about to do. Now, how many times would you say, God, please show me what you're going to do? Could you kind of give me a little heads up? Because I really don't know where we're going from here. I mean, how many times over the years we say, I don't know when we're going to leave and when we're going to PCS. If we're not going to PCS, I don't know where, what place we're going to be moved. I mean, how many times have we heard that over the years? But if you would just trust God, that he's going to take you to a place exactly where he wants you to take you or keep you. You have to trust. So here we see, as we see the scriptures, he's making it very clear of the fact that these, these you know, that that, God was going to reveal what He's to do, and it said the seven good cows are seven years. So, He God gives the interpretation. Understand that cows means years. The seven ca- cows mean seven good years here, and the seven good heads are the s- are seven years as well. The dreams are one, and the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years as well. Right? Same dream. Two different dreams, but same meaning. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. Oh, so now we see there's plentiful and there's famine. There's a two difference in those years. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following. For it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because... The thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to past. So Joseph gives the interpretation, makes it clear. It's now referring to seven years, two different seven years. One that's going to be very plentiful. It'll be so much produce, so much wheat and grain, everything you're producing. It'll be so much. It'll be plentiful. But then it's going to be followed by seven years of nothing, of famine, of drought, it's going to get really ugly, just like the cows and the withered up little corn. Now, that's where we see in the scripture here that the ugly cows ate the plentiful fat cows, but it didn't look like they even, even grew in any weight. Why? Because he says in the, in the interpretation when the famine hits, it's going to be so severe, people were going to forget the seven years of prosperity. You couldn't forget it. You will not remember it because it will be that severe. And sure enough, we will see as we go, go through that this is exactly. Because Joseph saw the confirming hand of God in the repetition of the dream, he says. God gave it to you twice so you will not forget it and know this is from God. And he knew the principle by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Deuteronomy 19:15. Even if he didn't have it written in Scripture yet, that still God is still the principles that God gives us in Scripture is still there anyway. Joseph knew the matter was entirely in the hands of God. Why? Because God had a purpose for the dream, a purpose for the timing of that dream, a purpose for the famine that would come about on the land, and the purpose for Joseph being in jail, and a purpose for everything that's taking place. He has a purpose that we must trust him. Now, in. Now, verse 33, Now therefore the let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. So now, interesting, God gives Joseph boldness not only he interpret the dream because that's what pharaoh asked but if you remember as pharaoh you do not tell him what to do he is the great ruler so you, for you to t- take the step and tell pharaoh what gives advice that will not go well but god said no you're going to be i'm going to use you to give the advice to to pharaoh because why god needs joseph in a position so sure enough he takes the step he gives advice. He says, Let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. He didn't say, Select me, select me. He just said, Discerning and wise man, right? Set it over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up a grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as reserved for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So he sits there and he gives Joseph shows this boldness. Gives because he has the gift of administration. God has given the gift of leadership. He's given the gift of administration here. God is using those gifts to do, go about for God's purposes, and he's you know he's going to present the truth here. Because remember, Egypt collected taxes by collecting ten percent of the produce, so they were already collecting ten percent. That's the taxes. So, you know, Joseph uh, just God gave Joseph and said, go to the one fifth or 20 percent tax on all food and store it up. Because if you don't double it right seven years, you need to cover another seven years. Let's double up our savings because we know we have to make it through seven years. That's what the God has directed. Save 20 percent of all the, uh, the produce, all the profit kept it in the storehouses for the time that was was about to come. And he's giving, God had picked a man to to oversee and to manage this. And it needs to happen because God always works through men performing the tasks on this earth. And he is going to work through this man. So what happened when he gave the advice? Verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Make note in your Bible, circle Spirit of God, we see is the very first mention of the Holy Spirit dwelling and working within the man that's mentioned in the scripture here. So circle that, it's the first time noted. But here we see... That it was good in the eyes. There was peace that came in the eyes of Pharaoh and his servants, trusted servants. Those wise men and everyone who was listening. was said, this is good. This is right. And he immediately drew the conclusion, who else that we know? I mean, I have all the musicians and all my wise men around me. There is no one wiser except for this man right here, Joseph. And he says, this man in whom is the spirit of God. This is a a pagan, wicked ruler of Pharaoh, right? Seeing in this young man God working in and through this man, this Holy Spirit himself. Amazing. Right here. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, he believes this is God showing Joseph and working through Joseph. There is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. That means you have all assigning authority. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, he's even dressed for the occasion here, and put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, without your consent, Joseph, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, this isn't always an interesting name to say, sapinat Penea, and he gave him, a, a, him as a wife, Asenat, um, and the daughter of Patai-Pere, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So here's the very first mention in the Bible of the Holy Spirit coming upon a man here that God is working, the Holy Spirit is working in and through Joseph here. And Joseph now has gone from the pit of, to the pit, to the pinnacle of success in the eyes of anyone. And it took some 13 years for it to happen. From the outside, Joseph looked like an immediate um, success, obviously, because God, dad was, going to be his inheritance he had the beautiful uh, custom-made uh, tunic that god you know dad made and then he lost everything and he thought oh my whole life is going to be gone but god in those 13 years was just slowly working of character within this young man to bring him to a much greater joseph is such a good example of a man who seemed to have all the gifts and talents of leadership and administration but god still needed to develop a character and the talents over many years now some people say what does the meaning of joseph's new name mean well the simplistic meaning is god speaks and he lives but many commentators, many Jewish scholars, if you study that name, broke it down by each of the letters within that name. And I'll just throw it out you, out there for you Bible students there. So this, if you break it down, it's called seer, redeemer, prophet, supporter, interpreter of dreams, clever, discreet, and wise. And you put that together and you try to pronounce that name. Verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old. So remember, he started his journey at 17 going to Egypt. He's placed into jail. It's all kinds of ups and downs, the pits, to be at a Potiphar's house, to be to falsely accused and almost you know thrown into prison. And now he's at 28, thrown into prison. He's in there for two full years. Now he's at age 30 when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. Just like the interpretation, right? Instead of three years, they had to see how many years of abundance was going to happen. And all seven happened. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid, upon, laid up the food in the cities He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them, and Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. Immeasurable that God had provided. And then in verse 50, And Joseph went and were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, Priest of An bore to him, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. So, what does that mean? Manasseh. For God had made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So, not only is the land plentiful for seven years, but now he's fruitful. He's now has two sons. The first one, um, Manasseh, means forgetfulness. Or he because, and I, I love this in the character of this man Joseph, that he fathers these sons, and even though with all of his past pain and trials of rejection of family and. Father wasn't the best examples. The brothers weren't. Older brothers were not a good examples. He was rejected. He was tried, killed. He was sold off. He had all the reasons to say that he has some kind of disease or some kind of reason to hate life and to hate everybody, and that my life is miserable and I'm depressed and I need medication. But he didn't do that. Because God, he had a persistent faith, and God was working through this man so that he was raising him up from his past and pointing him in a future of moving forward. Because you have to remember, the past does not dictate your future if you let God direct your future. Stop letting your past direct your future. Let God do the work. He's going to lift you up and move you on as we see in the life of Joseph. And he reminds you and me through the very first son. Remember, naming your sons was very important. In this case, his name was forgetfulness or he was no longer. You can't forget what happened to him in the past. But he is forgiven of all the people of the past. Remember, it's about forgiveness. He didn't forget. You don't forget trauma, but you forgive, and you're able to move on, and it no longer defines who you are. If you're sitting here today, and you were a drunkard, and God freed you from that, you're no longer a drunk. You're no longer a drunkard. You're a child of God. Move on. Forgive. Forgive what happened. Forgive yourself. Forgive the others. And move on and let God do wonderful and great things that he has a plan for you in and through your life. But fill in the blank. If you're not a drunkard, fill in the blank. God wants you to move on. Just like Joseph. Let him take you and do great things in your life. And then also he was fruitful because Ephraim reminded him there's fruitfulness. There's blessing that because God is added, and there was just this, you just blessings that come from God, and being in faith with Him. And then finally, we'll close here, in verse fifty three. Then the seven years of plenty, which were in the land of Egypt, ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. And the famine was in all the lands, but in the, all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished. The people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. All the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the land. Why did this have to happen? Well, read ahead and come back because we'll continue verse by verse and we will see part of God's plan was he needed to have Joseph's family come down to Egypt and he did it through pressure called a famine. Many times God moves us through pressure to be able to take you where he needs you to do to do a work in you, amen?